Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Property Podcast. My name is Stephen Clark and I'm joined as always with my co-host Nick Ponte. How are you doing this week, Nick? Not bad, Stephen. Yourself? Good, mate. Good. Are you still enjoying lockdown and the slower pace of life or is it you driving yourself up the wall yet? Well, it's basically just running about after three kids most of the day, but uh, on a property uh, point, I have been making a little bit of progress. So just before lockdown, I was just about completed a renovation project. It was a a buy-to-let that was getting a full refurb, and all that was left to do was the carpets, and I thought, do you know what? I might just squeeze this in just before lockdown, and I just never made it, and uh, I've managed to source a carpet fitter who's going in on Tuesday Obviously, it's an empty property and there won't be any danger to anybody. And uh, I've managed to get a guy who is going in to complete it. And then hopefully, at least I can just get it finished. And then when we do get allowed to come back out of houses, then it's ready to go. So I've made some progress, I feel. But apart from that, the whole lettings uh, agency and all that is really pretty much ground to a halt. Although we are getting uh, more and more people handing in notices, which is, is pretty shit. What about yourself? Um, made progress on one of the flip projects or, or a project for an investor in Aberdeen. Um, it was getting a full renovation and, and before the lockdown had happened, um, I spoke to a contractor who had kind of self-employed guys who were willing to work one at a time on this site. And it, obviously it's going to be a slow, slow process and it has been, um, but they've finished uh, the property. So that's ongoing. My one's kind of stalled up in Aberdeen. Um, that's the first month complete, obviously, of, of lockdown. My five portfolio, I managed to get the last rent in yesterday. They were about two weeks delayed. Um, so I was quite happy with that. So 100% success on the rent there. Aberdeen is a complete opposite story. I think I've got about issues with pretty much 80% of the properties, which is very strange. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of a mixed bag here. I need to just contact the lightning agent up in Aberdeen tomorrow and, and get an update on what's happening with them. But You've been a bit unlucky on that, on that front, I would say, because... You know, as I was saying to you earlier on, out of 85 properties, I've really only got, you know, probably two or three that are, are not paying the rent. So, you know, that's unfortunate. I know, and it was, and it was ones that I thought were cracking um, tenants as well. Like one of them was a Kuwait and, um, you know, getting their Kuwait national who was over working in the oil and gas industry and he was getting these expenses, like a huge expenses paid by the Kuwait government to, to work in Aberdeen. And obviously they've said that they want all their nationals back in a, back into the country so he just gave his notice uh, tonight actually just before I came on the call and that's uh, that's another one which is which is uh, it's quite it's quite frustrating so anyway um it's it's all good there's nothing much more we can do about it we just have to keep plodding away and, and see what we can do so today's um content on the or, or today's topic on the podcast is actually ways to fund flip projects. Now, this is probably one of the most common questions when people join in our Facebook group page. We've actually put in three questions to ask the the group. And this is probably one of the most common questions that people want answered. And it's different ways to fund flip projects. So we thought we'd just do a quick podcast, short and sweet. There's only a few kind of main methods that you would use to fund these these projects. So we thought we'd just rattle through them and hopefully it'll answer a lot of your, your kind of ongoing questions. So Anyway, without further ado, I'll get started on the first topic, Nick, and then you want to continue on from there? Yeah, sure. Let's um, go with it. Yep. So the, the first one is a very common way of building up a cash pot is through equity in your own home. So, you know, you can put down a lower deposit and you can sell or refinance with an, in a tax efficient way. So if you were looking to do a flip project and you needed, let's say, 40 grand, 20 grand for a deposit and fees and 20 grand for a refurb, 
if you've built up a bit of equity in your home, you could release that £40,000 by putting a, a further advance or a remortgage um, on your existing house. So it's, bear, it's worth bearing in mind things like an early redemption penalty on any remortgage or any product switches and obviously factor into consideration any interest, extra interest you will pay on your mortgage costs. But, but because borrowing right now is kind of historically at the, its all-time low, it's almost free money that you can use to do a flip. So to, to put that £40,000 to potentially make a good profit on a flip is a really good way of raising, raising funding. You might only pay you know, a bare minimal amount of money from raising the money against your home. So that's, that's probably one of the most common ways, I, I think, Nick, what about you? Let's just kind of uh, let's just kind of say to people though that we don't recommend any of these things. These are just things that you can do and that we have some experience of. But obviously, you need to speak to a mortgage broker and get professional advice just to kind of put it out as a disclaimer. And Good also, point, Nick. I, sh- I probably should have started with that right at the start, like as, as discussed there. Yeah, and also, if you're thinking about remortgaging your own house for your property ventures, then I would certainly advise speaking to your other half as well. Because uh, that, that, that's definitely a thing that you want to have a chat about. Because I've suggested this to my, my own missus before, and she's like, absolutely not. You are not touching this house uh, for your property uh, property ventures anyway. So, so that's just her. But, you know, everybody's different. And if you've got, like, say you've got a couple that are really both into it, uh, then it might be something for you. But it's just something anyway. Yeah, no, it's, it's good points, and I thank you for bringing up that disclaimer, Nick. I should have really pointed that out right at the start. Um, do you want to go on with the next most common one of common method of funding flip projects? Sure. So you can get a thing called bridging finance. Now we've talked about this uh, quite a lot in the past, uh, Stephen. You've got a really good experience with the bridging finance. I've not actually done a bridge before, but uh, what is bridging finance? Uh, well, it's a it's like a mortgage, but it's more built for short term. So typically, what would you say, six to 12 months? Yeah, um, six to maybe 18 months, maybe you go a little bit longer. So, um, I can advise people on on taking that a little bit longer on a bridge. I fell for this trap a couple of times before where you put them on a six-month bridge and because properties were selling at six months and they were going to a closing date and stuff and, and you were exiting quickly, I never really realized the, the finer print on the bridge and uh, terms that when you went over your six-month arranged term, the interest rate doubled. So if you were paying... 0.75% a month, it became 1.5%. So that's a significant increase in a monthly outgoings if you if your property flips, that's when the market for an extra few months. Okay, and let's say bridging uh, finance and bridging loans are quite easily accessible. Typically, they'll probably uh, fund you about 70 to 60, or 60 to 70% of the uh, value of the property, right? So you're expected to put about 30% deposit down, is that about right? Yeah, sometimes some bridges will go up to probably 80%, probably very similar to, to mortgages as well. Um, you know, I, the, the point that I would like to mention about bridges is a lot of the time when you're trying to fund a property for a flip, they're usually in a, a bad state of disrepair. And if they don't have um, a functional kitchen or a functional bathroom, they're generally not mortgageable. Whereas bridging lenders tend to ignore or, or, or they're very, very lenient on what they lend on. So they'll take into consideration um, the project that you're, how much you're going to spend on the renovation, what the end value or what you're going to sell it for, and if you've got a plan B as well. But they'll also take into consideration your experience and track record doing these projects as well. Yeah. So um, they're looking at that bigger picture and they'll lend on things that most people that are maybe just looking on the market and trying to get a property 
it's a shell at a closing date that maybe doesn't don't don't have the cash because I'll say it's a cash buyer, but basically it just means that it's unmortgageable. But bridging lenders will tend to lend on these projects. Sure, but um, if you are obviously going down the route of bridging, then you need to make sure that you have absolutely done your numbers down to the the the, the T, basically, because um, it's so important, and because we're, we're faced with quite high costs of bridging, so you've got your um, your entry fees, your exit fees, and in between that, you're probably talking about what anything between 0.7% and 1% per month. So if you're in it for say 12 months, you could be, you know, 10 to 12 percent of of the loan uh, and interest, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right, and it's so important to factor these numbers into your your flip project when doing them. Yep, your arrangement fees, your your monthly costs, your um. There's all these little fees as well that you pay for the obviously the lender solicitor costs. Um, there's there's title indemnity policies and there's different insurances and admin fees that you'll pay as well. It's quite important to get all these costs up front, factor into your deal, and make sure your deal still works by using bridging. And if it does, brilliant, use bridging. By the way, can you imagine being on bridging finance at the moment as we are in the mid- midst of uh, lockdown and COVID nineteen? I just spoke to it, and this is this is worth pointing out as well. I just spoke to um, one of the guys in my mastermind group just before we came on this this call, Nick, and he's got a bridging product that's at the end. I think he said it was at the end of uh, August with uh, a bridging lender that I've used many times before in the past, and he's going to struggle to exit it as well. And what happens at the end of your term? If just say you put a year's term on your bridge, they actually charge you five percent of the total loan, and I've been hit with this before in the past. So this is an important fee as well, that if you're going over it, you also get hit with a percentage of the total cost by basically going, you, you didn't com- comply with your agreed term, did you? Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously there's nothing that he can do about it with the current situation we're in. Yeah, and I don't think they're uh, very forthcoming in offering the, the holiday periods like the kind of normal buy-to-let mortgages. No, um, there's not much flexibility with the bridging lenders, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. So moving on, Stephen, on to our uh, number three. So uh, we've got, you know, buying with a buy-to-let mortgage. Now, we have to say right from the start here that uh, this is a real, uh, well, that's actually mortgage fraud, right? Uh, it's a bit of a no-go, this one, isn't it? Yeah. So do people do it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, would we advise it? Absolutely not, because it is mortgage fraud. Uh, but, you know, you do get people that do it. The chances of you getting away with it, uh, probably if you're just doing one or two. Very, very high, yeah. You'll probably get away with it. But what they advise is if you're starting to do this as a proper business and you're doing more and more flips, then it's yeah. not really a, a way you should be doing it. So yeah, next disclaimer there is as, as, as always was spot on. Um, you could put a flip on a buy-to-let mortgage. And obviously what we just spoke about with bridging lending, it stops you incurring all these higher costs. And I mean, you could be talking about thousands of pounds, which could make the difference in this becoming a deal or not a deal. Um, so you could try and put on a standard buy-to-let product, but the only thing is it's not a buy-to-let. You intend on selling it, but the way around it is if the lender does ask and you obviously go to sell it at six months, seven months down the line, you can obviously just say, look, I've changed my mind. I've renovated the property. The market conditions have changed, whatever reason, and you could sell it. And no one can kind of question your your, your, your answer they can't release they're not going to say you're, you're lying you could say this is what happened but how many legally how many times are you going to get away with doing it because if you did intend on doing a flip and selling on then like nick said you've kind of committed mortgage fraud but yes people do it and it's quite common and it's very common to for people getting started with because it's a lower entry point as well people might not necessarily know that it's not real that it's frowned upon and it's not really allowed 
you know, if you're starting out in property, you might just think, oh, yeah, I can do that and just, you know, change of circumstances, whatever. I mean, I've heard of people actually, you know, the brokers not even knowing that that's, you know, that you're not allowed to do that in effect, trade flip property. So they might have got bad advice as well. So you just need to watch and obviously, you know, keep, keep an eye on the Scottish Property Podcast and we'll keep you right, make sure yeah. that you don't end up in jail. Yeah, and bearing in mind as well, even if you do cut a buy-to-let mortgage on it, you are, if most buy-to-let mortgage products you're on, will you, am I right in saying it'll probably be something like a 3% um, uh, early redemption penalty? Well, there are, interestingly enough, uh, there are mortgages out there that don't have any redemption penalties. Right. And then, and you, then you, you think... you pay more interest rate on that though, wouldn't you? Yeah, but then you think to yourself, well, why do they not? Because obviously most mortgages, like you say, Stephen, you're tied in for two years uh, usually and if you exit before that term fixed term of two years is up then like you say you could be talking about three percent yeah uh, so that's a, that's an extra cost that could make it as expensive and not as flexible as bridging lending so you've got to weigh up these these different options um, i've so, never actually heard of anybody getting blacklisted or black marked um, no. the amount of people that I've spoke to, but it's a thing that pops up time and time again. And I don't know if somebody's just come up with that, <laughs> but um, yeah, we're, we're certainly not advising it. And technically it is mortgage fraud. So yeah. Um, the, the last one we were kind of thinking about chatting about um, is something we covered a little bit on the podcast last week on joint ventures and it's raising private investment. So you can fund, you could fund flip projects through raising private funding from an individual who will take it on a, that might not be wanting to come involved in a joint venture, but they may be willing to lend you the full cash amount to do the project. So if you were purchasing a property at £60,000 and it was costing you £20,000 to, to renovate, for instance, they might lend you the full £80,000. And if you agree a term with them um, on paying them back a, a monthly retention or a, a percentage or a, a percentage of the profit, um, that's a, that's a very common way of doing them as well. They also might not have that bigger pot, and they might only lend you the deposit. Sorry, the deposit and the refurb cost. So if you were only putting down a deposit and then the refurb cost, which is maybe half that that cost or or, or even less, um, they might lend you that again for a for a return that suits them. But bearing in mind right now is uh, people think that this is this is quite difficult to come by. But right now bank interest rates are 0.1 percent they're the historic lowest ever been so if anyone's got money sitting in the bank and some aspiring property or somebody that's got a track record in property as well and says look i'm looking for extra funding for my flip projects these people might be more than willing to say yeah okay go for it there's 40 grand there's 50 grand there's 100 grand whatever it may be to do the project because they know they're going to get eight ten percent return from you rather than getting a point one percent in their in their bank so these are quite common um, common strategies at the moment to raise funding for flip projects. Yeah, I mean, obviously, guys, go back to the previous podcast that we did, which was just last week, actually, episode 17, all about joint ventures. And we go through absolutely everything uh, in there about how you structure the joint ventures. But the main thing is, obviously, uh, like like Stephen said, the key word for me was track record. You know, mm. if you want to stand the hope in trying to get a joint venture partner, then I think you've got to be bringing something to the table whether that's time, skill, um, you know, something that you can offer uh, or else a track record of having carried out successful projects in the past. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And the other thing as well is, is um, most, most savvy investors are going to ask for some kind of security. So if you're purchasing with a mortgage or a bridging loan, the bridging or the lender is going to take first charge security over the property, which leaves your lender 
if it's going to lend you the deposit and the reefer cost with not much chance against security, they might be able to take a second charge security, which will cost you extra money. So the chances are, unless you've got an investor that's going to give you the full amount of cash to purchase cash and then carry the renovation, you can't give them much security or no more security than a loan agreement um, or a personal guarantee. So you have to kind of look at it from the investor's point of view of your track record, how credible you are, what you've done in the past, and also how their money is protected. Because obviously this is a lot of money they're going to invest in this project. So you need to make sure that, you're, that you've done your numbers and your due diligence correct um, to make sure this project is going to work. And obviously for some of our um, people who are just starting out in property and are looking to try and find their first joint venture partners, uh, what, what would be your tips again, Stephen? I know we talked about it last week, but just to kind of uh, go over that just quickly. Um, so showcase, showcase your projects. Um, you know, if it's on social media or LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that, you know, showcase what you're doing and what you're up to, your, your previous flip projects, if it's your own home or a buy-to-let product that you flipped, showcase it, put it out there, talk about the numbers, show you know, have that bit of um, that bit of that track record, that bit of portfolio to show them. So, so someone's already getting you're already getting credibility in someone's eyes before you approach them for for lending or for to borrow money from them. And just obviously the networking events as well. And we've seen a lot of these kind of um, you know networks popping up, these networking events popping up online. But obviously, once the lockdown measures get lifted, then try and get yourself out to actual meets because that's where you can really build up good relationships you know, and you make new friends and you might well just meet somebody that you might well head it off with and, you know, they might have the cash and, you know, you just really connect and you've got the same outlook and that's where a partnership could potentially start there, you know? And it could yeah. be that you might be at a similar start, similar paths in your journey, but, you know, one just might have the cash and the other one might have the drive and the enthusiasm. Yeah, great point, Nick. And, and obviously right now, because we're in lockdown and even before that as well, um, groups like our Scottish Property Podcast group, I, I see a lot of people posting on the group and people are very encouraging and responsive. And you can see relationships forming in groups like that. Be be helpful and be supportive of people. And, and if people are looking for advice or, or they've got a problem, it's quite nice to, to engage with them. And that's how you build up relationships with people as well. Okay, so that really kind of sums up the major ways that you can fund a flip project. I think that what I can gather from, from all that, Stephen, is that, you know, if you want to try and become a serious property investor, you've got to leverage, you've got to leverage either the bank's money or private investors' money. And obviously, right at the start, it's quite difficult to get that, that private investment and the joint venture partners, but it is possible. And it's something that I've held off of uh, over the years because I've always thought, who's going to lend money to me? Do you know what I mean? But now... I can see what you've done and it's really kind of spurred me on. And now I'm thinking, well, this is the way that I'm going to try and progress myself. Uh, so, you know, I know you've been doing this for a while and you're still working with lots of people and I obviously see it works really well uh, for you. So um, it's definitely a way where you can propel yourself into that next level. I think where a lot of people kind of fall down is, we say it time and time again, they come off the back of the courses and they get sold this kind of like, you know, you can get involved in property with none of your own money. And when they say buy property with none of your own money, this is exactly what they're talking about here. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of stuff they're talking about, working with other people who do have the money. Yeah, but they won't teach you the, the point of getting getting a track record and getting, um, and getting credible and getting knowledge right. and experience and stuff like that, yeah. We want to reinforce that point, guys, and you'll hear us talking about it time and time again. So that wraps up this week's podcast. Hope you find it useful. Um, just to give a little shout out, we are going to be doing another uh, Zoom 
calls. So this is a thing that we did a couple of weeks ago and we had our solicitor, mortgage broker and accountant on and we had 70 people in the, in the virtual networking Zoom room and we basically turned it into a question and answer session. And it was really, really useful for people. Everybody got a chance to ask a question. What we did was we let people unmute themselves on the Zoom so we could actually see them speaking and see their faces. So we could actually connect with people who have been posting in the Facebook group. And uh, we look forward to doing that again on Monday the 27th of April. So that's this Monday coming, uh, 8pm. We're going to be posting all of our social media about it and you will be able to sign up to the Eventbrite and get the email with the Zoom link. So hopefully you can join us for that. Stephen? Yep, it's, it's really, really good. It's very um, interactive. And, and like I say, it certainly helps landlords and investors get their head around what's going on in the current situation. Um, you know, Nick's expertise in the letting um, will guide you through that. And obviously, like you said, Nick point, touched on there, your solicitor, accountant, and mortgage broker are the kind of key people that are going to influence what's happening in the markets going forward, whether the the, the land register opens back up and, and sales going through or and what's happening in lending products. So it's, it's really, 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 really valuable, actually. I, I found it very valuable. Um, I'd like to um, give a little shout-out to our review as well um, that we've had. We've had a review from Darren Wilson. He says, five-star review, so thank you very much. Uh, he says, brilliant podcast from Genuine Guys. Lots of useful info and learning from their success and pitfalls. Keep it up, lads. So, Darren, really appreciate the, the review. And if any of you guys are finding this useful, please share it on your social medias. And we would really, really appreciate you leaving us a review on um, iTunes. It'd be great. Help us get our podcast out there and reach some more people. I've seen Darren posting on the Facebook group. So, thanks, Darren. And we really appreciate that. So that's all for this week. Um, we hope to see you again next week.